Amen. My chains were gone. They are gone. They broke away back when I was in the sixth grade. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, He broke me free from the chains that had me bound. And I pray that everyone here today knows that your chains have been broken too and that you haven't went back to those bondages that He pulled you out of. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to look at the first four verses here as we continue our study and rebuilding the walls, finding your place. This is our 10th lesson on this. We've got, I think, about four more to go. Today I want to talk to you about the danger of compromise. The danger of compromise. You know, throughout the rebuilding of the walls, there arose opposition, as you know we've looked at, of all kind of attacks that were launched after Nehemiah and the children of Israel, and the intent was to destroy the work of God. Church, listen to me. Satan in these last days is out to destroy the work of God. And so many times he's being successful because the people of God would rather, uh, you know, compromise the Word of God rather than stand strong on the Word of God. And we're going to see that today. The only reason the wall got finished is because the people of Israel decided by the leadership of Nehemiah that they was not going to compromise. They was going to do what God has called them to do. And listen to me, church. The work that God has given to you, do not compromise. You do what God has called you to do no matter what comes along, no matter how Satan attacks you, no matter how tempted you are to compromise with those of the world. Now, there were ridicule, there was force, slander, intimidation, manipulation, lies, treachery, as we've done seeing all this, fraud. And in chapter 6, what we're going to see here is one of the most scheming tactics the devil uses in an attempt to destroy both the people of God and also the work of God. And it has worked for years, and I'm afraid it's still working even today. What is that attack? That attack is compromise. Satan hates God's success. In fact, when God's people say, let's arise and build, the enemy will always say, let's arise and destroy. Look, what we see happening here, the wall was complete with the exception of the hanging of the gates. And the people were excited. This impossible mission, you know, was just about complete. But there was still this entry point, as we'll see, to the city because the unfinished gates were yet to be hung. Now, Nehemiah, I believe, understood what would be written by Paul years later in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, when Paul said, Give not place to the devil. Listen to me. Too many times in today's world, the people of God, church members, whatever you want to call them, you know, they give place to the devil, they give in to the temptation, they give in to compromise, and as a result, it takes the work off that God has for them. There are many times when the right kind of compromise can be positive. In fact, if you stop and think about it, compromise is necessary many times in human relations of all sorts. And this is certainly true within a marriage. If there's not some compromise in a marriage, you're really going to have problems, okay? However, compromise is okay, and it can be positive, folks, until it begins affecting 
until it begins to impact our moral and our spiritual convictions. We must never compromise our spiritual convictions. Whatever we, you know, the convictions we have, never compromise that just for the sake of getting along. I hate it when I hear people say, well, we all got to get along. No, we don't got to get along, okay? If it's compromising the Word of God, if it's compromising our spiritual convictions, if it's compromising our moral convictions, folks, we should not uh, you know, do whatever it takes to get along. We should not live by that old saying, peace at any price. Listen, when compromise begins to affect spiritual, biblical, moral, or ethic issues, Folks, we got to draw a line in the sand. We have to draw a line in the sand. It's not peace at any price, okay? Not for the people of God. We all remember the story about the uh, hunter and the bear. You know, the hunter was chasing a bear one day, and he was trying to kill this bear because he wanted a fur coat. <clears throat> Winter was coming along, and he wanted a, a fur coat. So the, he began chasing this bear, and this bear was running. And about out of breath, the, the bear stopped, and he asked the hunter, wait a minute, wait a minute, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? He said, you, you want a fur coat, and all I want is a meal. So can we sit down and talk about it? The hunter thought for a moment. He said, well, you know, that's reasonable. We can sit down. We can talk about it. And in a moment, a compromise was reached. In just a moment. The bear had a full meal. And the hunter had a fur coat. But it wasn't the type of fur coat he was wanting. And folks, it's that same way today. If you compromise with the enemy, you're going to get ate up. You're going to get destroyed compromise can be deadly it has ruined more churches it has diluted more messages it has neutralized more preachers and it's weakened more christians than most any other thing today look compromise could have destroyed the entire project that nehemiah had chosen to undertake you know had he not understood this most dangerous tactic of the devil compromise now, there's three things that you and I should consider next time we're tempted to, be, to compromise. And listen, pretty much every day of our life we're tempted to compromise. But I want to just quickly this morning give you three things that you should consider the next time you're tempted to compromise. First of all, it's the purity of our faith. Look at verses 1 and 2. The purity of our faith. He said, now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built a wall and that there was no breach there left therein except to set up the doors of the gate, that Sanballat and Geshem sent a word unto me saying, come, let us meet together. You know what let us meet together is? Let's talk about this, just like the hunter and the bear. He said, let, let us meet together in some, uh, some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Look, these were the same devil's advocates that we have seen earlier in this study who lied about Nehemiah, the same ones who sought to destroy Nehemiah, the same ones that threatened him, that taunted him, and would have assassinated him 
you know, if they, as they desire. Satan is out, listen to me, Satan is out to destroy the people of God. Satan is out to destroy the work of God, especially in these last days. Satan knows his fate. And Satan wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible. Therefore, he's out to destroy the work of the church. He's out to destroy the work of God. Church, we must never compromise with the enemy. Why? Because compromise will only yoke us to the enemy. That's what compromise is. When we sit down and talk to the enemy and compromise, it yokes us with the enemy. Let's talk about this. As children of God, we, we are pure and must strive to maintain that purity. Paul said in 2 Corinthians this. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. You know, let me just inject this, okay? I can't tell you how many times I've done marriage counseling with young people. In most cases, the girl is saved, but the boy isn't, okay? And I do my best to talk them out of it, mainly because of this passage right here. Don't team up with unbelievers. And I can't tell you how many times the young lady has told me, oh, I will change him. Listen to me, young ladies. He's going to change you. Very seldom, if I can even remember one, where the boy changed. Because it's a whole lot easier to fall down to his level than to pick him up to yours. Never compromise with an unbeliever. Let's read on what he says here. You know, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? You know, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? You know, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple talking about those of us who know Christ as our personal Savior. Folks, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them, and I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Folks, we're separated from the world, and we should keep ourselves separated from the world and not give in to compromise, because when you give in to compromise, trust me, you are going to be eight. You're going to be ate up. Look, there's an unmistakable biblical principle of godly separation, or this is. You know, uh, living a lifestyle that's set apart. You know, there are certain non-negotiables, folks, in the Christian faith. Let me me just name a few of those non-negotiables. And what I'm talking about non-negotiables is, folks, these are where we got to stand firm. Stand firm. Okay, for instance, the deity of Jesus Christ. We can never waver from the deity of Christ. We can never compromise what we believe about the deity of Christ just to get along, even with another religion or whatever. We must never compromise the deity of Christ, the infallibility of the Word of God. Listen, every word in here, folks, you know, is the Word of God, and it's the infallibility of the Scripture that we have to stand strong upon. You know, the, the blood atonement. 
You know, it, we, we can't fellowship. We can't be a part of those who do not believe that salvation comes as a result of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Mount Calvary for our sins. We can't uh, ne uh, negotiate with those who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a non-negotiable. We can't uh, negotiate and compromise with those who do not believe in salvation by grace through faith. If they believe in works of any kind, folks, we've got to draw the line right there. And the Trinity, if they don't believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Ghost, that's a place to draw a line. These are just some things we can never compromise just for the sake of getting along. Just for the sake of getting along. Look, we must never compromise our convictions or bend our beliefs just to suit the enemy. And when you compromise, that's what you're doing. Look, we can work with unbelievers for community projects. Let me, just, let me just back up here. We can work with unbelievers for community projects and crisis responses in our community. In other words, like Florida just went through the, uh, you know, the hurricane. We can work with unbelievers to help people, okay? We can, we can work with unbelievers. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our morality, when it comes to our ethics, folks, there is no room for compromise, none whatsoever. The next time you're tempted to compromise, compromise, look, consider the purity of your faith. Now, the second thing that we must consider is the responsibility of our work. You see, we're responsible. Once we take on a job, once we take on a ministry, once we take our part in the wall, now we've got a responsibility. And if we have a responsibility, we have to live up to that responsibility. If you're not going to live up to the responsibility, don't take the responsibility. Okay? Here's the thing. Here's what he says in verse 3. And I set messengers unto them saying, now he's, he's sending people back with a message. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah was saying, guys, I got responsibilities here. I got a responsibility. You're the enemy. I'm not going to get off my place on the wall just to come to you to try to talk me into a compromise and violating God's word. He said, I'm smarter than that. You know, we got too many people in our churches that's not that smart. They'll leave their work. They'll leave their responsibilities to go and be with the enemy. Now, Nehemiah wasn't suggesting here. Let me just point this out where he says, I'm doing a great work. He's not suggesting here that the, the, great, the work was great because he was doing it, but it's because God was doing it through him and his people. Look, if you're serving Jesus, your work is great. In whatever position you are on the wall serving Jesus Christ, listen to me, your position is great. If you're on the wall serving Jesus by teaching a Sunday school class, you're doing a great work. If you're on the, uh, on the wall serving Jesus by being on our AV team, you're doing a good work. If you're serving Jesus and you got your place on the wall by mowing the church grounds, you're doing a great work. If you're on the wall serving Jesus by helping in the nursery, you're doing a great work.
work. If you're on the wall preparing for fellowships when we have fellowships, you're doing a great work. If you're on the wall serving Jesus Christ in children's ministry, you're doing a great work. If you're on the wall serving Jesus Christ simply by making phone calls to our homebound or our sick or those who have missed, you're doing a good work. Whatever your place is on the wall, listen to me, you're doing a good work but if you pull off of that place your position on the wall to go talk to the enemy, if you pull off of your place on the wall to go be with the enemy, then your position is going to be left undone. Remember your responsibility that you have committed to. You see, the, 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 the enemy was simply wanting Nehemiah to take his focus off the work and come to their turf, so to speak, but Nehemiah knew better nehemiah was smarter than they gave him credit nehemiah knew his place was on the wall and, and, and all they wanted to do was compromise his commitment to the lord look how many people within our churches will leave the wall that god has placed them on and go to the camp of the enemy never to be seen again and let me tell you something, in my 30-plus years of ministry, I've seen that happen time and time and time again. People leave their place on the wall that they know God has placed them. They go with the enemy. They even just go talk to the enemy, be with the enemy, you know, hang out with the enemy. And listen, it's not long until they don't even come back. They don't even come back to take their position on the wall. Look, never compromise your work. Never compromise the responsibility God has given you. If you walk away from the place that God has placed you, you're soon going to become just like the hunter who was swallowed by the bear. Don't do it. The next thing here is this. If you abandon the work and quit what God has called you to do, folks, the work is going to suffer. That position that you have made a commitment to do, well, nobody will be there to do it. Therefore, the entire church will suffer as a result of your one foolish, selfish decision. You say, that's pretty tough, Pastor. Well, you choose to leave your place on the wall, that's you choosing to do it, and that's pretty selfish. That's pretty selfish. Look, Nehemiah refused to become sidetracked and we too must maintain a consistency with our mission no matter what might come our way. Compromise will always bring about a neglect of our place on the wall. Let me say that again. Compromise will always bring about a neglect of our place on the wall. Look, we must keep on the wall as individuals. We must keep moving forward as a church, always desiring that our church be known in the community as a church that does not compromise. Rather, it's a church that brings people to Jesus Christ. It's the church that baptizes them, you know, into Jesus Christ, matures them as Christians, and equips them for the Christian living. Look, there's more to church, folks, than just getting people saved. And each of us must find our place on the wall. We must refuse to leave that place when the enemy does his best to lure us away. And we are all, must always be consistent in our work. And when we do, we will see victory. 
So the next time you're tempted to compromise, remember the responsibility of your work. Remember you have made a commitment. Live up to the commitment or don't make the commitment to begin with. The final thing is this, the integrity of our witness. Verse 4. Yet they sent unto me four times. You see, the enemy don't give up. The enemy is going to try and try and try and try to get you to come off the wall and neglect your commitment to God. He says, they sent to me four times. They wouldn't stop. And I answered them in the same manner each time. I'm not leaving my spot on the wall. This is where God has placed me. This is what I've committed to. This is my responsibility. Get thee behind me, Satan. Look, people were watching Nehemiah. The project was dependent upon his faithful execution of leadership. Had he gone down, it could have sabotaged the entire project because he was the leader. You know, his enemies came again and again, enticing him to leave the wall and just walk away. Surely we can find a compromise of some kind, Nehemiah, if you will just come and talk to us. If you'll just come and let's sit down and reason together. Surely we can come to a compromise. You know what? It reminds me of Wiley Coyote. Is Wiley Coyote still active today? No? You don't think so? Well... If he's not, YouTube him. He's good. But it reminds me of Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. You know, Wiley Coyote was always setting them traps for the Roadrunner. But you know what? The Roadrunner was smart enough to always understand Wiley Coyote's the enemy. And if Wiley Coyote is setting a trap, then he is trying to catch me. He is trying to trap me. He is trying to devour me. And you know the good thing about the Roadrunner? The Roadrunner always had the last beep beep. You know, that may be a way of saying in your face. Look, folks, we as God's people, we need the last beep beep when it comes to the enemy. Just like the Roadrunner. Nehemiah, too, had that last beep beep. Our churches are full of people you know, with a lot of opinions. But you know what? We need more people with convictions rather than opinions. Hey, every one of us in here this morning has got an opinion, don't we? Some of your opinion of me as a preacher, I don't want to hear, but some of you I do, you know. We've all got opinions. But, folks, we need more people with convictions. Okay? And here's the thing. An opinion is something that someone holds. You hold an opinion. Your opinion, my opinion, all of us have an opinion. All of God's people have got an opinion. But you know what? A conviction is something that holds me. That's the difference in an opinion and a conviction. A conviction holds me and I hold on to that conviction. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what the enemy says, no matter how many times the enemy tries to get me to leave my place, on the wall. How sad that many within our churches today hold many opinions, but very few have godly convictions. Any, any, anything and everything goes for this younger generation and even some of the older generation as long as it aligns uh, with the view of society. Can I, can I tell you something right here? The views of society today are completely 
completely contradictory to the Word of God. Do I, do I need to say that again? The views of society today are completely contradictory to the Word of God. And if you allow yourself to align your convictions with today's society, folks, the enemy has done got you. It's not going to be long until you're off your spot on the wall and you're going to be in the bear's stomach just like the hunter. Look, Christians in this generation, here's the sad thing. M most don't know what they believe and why they believe it. They just don't. Look, Christians in, in this generation, we have to know what we believe. We have to know why we believe it, and we must never be willing to compromise it. Folks, we've got to get back to the Word of God. Not society. Listen to me. Society is the bear. Okay? Today, society is the bear that is going to eat you if you do not have some conviction based upon the Word of God and hold on to them. Look, you know, history, let me, history teaches us about Daniel Webster. We've all heard of Daniel Webster. He was considered one of the most elegant statesmen of the 19th century. I found this about him. His political objective was to become president of the United States. He had opposed slavery, but in order to acquire more votes, he compromised his values in what was known as the Compromise of 1850. Here's what that is. In that compromise, he gave support to the, uh, his support to the Fugitive Slave Law of 1850. And that federal law required that federal officials recapture and return uh, runaway slaves. Now, again, initially, he did not believe in slavery. But this Fugitive uh, Slave Law of 1850, he got to thinking, well, I need more votes. And this is, you know, a popular thing. That, okay, you catch a slave, you return it to its owner. Though I don't believe in slavery, this is a good thing. You see, he compromised his beliefs in order to get more votes. And as a result of compromising his values, he was never elected president. All because he compromised his values. He compromised what he said. He believed. Look, the next time you're tempted to compromise, compromise, consider the integrity of your witness. Because if you compromise, your witness is gone. Your witness is gone. Look, I wonder in closing, how many Christians have written for sale on their foreheads? How many people in our churches today, if you looked real close, you could see the tattoo, since these younger generations like tattoos, for sale. For sale. How sad. Selling out and negotiating their testimony with the enemy and ending up with nothing. You know, in these latter days, you as an individual and we as a church 
we are going to be tempted to compromise like never before. Let me say that again. The closer we get to Jesus Christ returning to take us out of this old world, we are going to be tempted to compromise like never before. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to leave your place on the wall? Just to, Let's just hear what the enemy has to say. Let's just talk about this. Or are you going to stand firm and say, no, I've made this commitment to God. This is where God has placed me. This is the responsibility he has given me. I'm standing firm here. The enemy can just go to the devil. Or would it be wrong to say go to hell? We've got to stand firm, folks, in these last days. Bring a little closer to home. November the 8th, millions of believers are going to be tempted to compromise their values. And they're going to vote for senators and congressmen and governors and, and, and mayors and, you know, etc. Of which none in both parties should get the vote of a true child of God if they're not in line with the Word of God. And I'm just going to insert this. If it hurts somebody's feelings, I, I really can't help it. I will never, and I will say again, I will never vote for any Democrat running for any position because their entire platform is anti-Word of God. If you don't believe that, go read their platform. They're for same-sex marriage. They're for abortion. A few years ago, even in their convention, they voted to take God out of their platform. Once they realized that wouldn't be good, you know, they said it failed, but it didn't. I can never align myself. And listen, if you vote for a person, listen to me. If you vote for a person, you're aligning yourself with that person. Okay? You're yoking yourself with that person. And what you're saying is, I'm, I'm voting for you. I want you elected so you can carry out your views. Even though their views go against your values. But, Pastor, you don't understand what I can get out of this if they're elected. <laughs> I can get a free phone. I can get free food. I can get my house paid for. I can get an electric bill. You don't understand, Pastor. No, you're right. I don't understand. All that stuff is temporary. What I understand is your convictions and your commitment to God is eternal. So do you want to trade off the eternal for the temporal? If you do, first of all, you're foolish. Second of all, that's your decision. Look. All over our nation, believers are going to compromise and yoke themselves with the enemy. And later on, you know what they're going to do? They're going to ask this question. In fact, some already are asking this question. Where is the America I once knew? Where is the America I once knew? You know where that America is? You left it in the voting booth. Because you compromised your values. You compromise what you said was a conviction just for the sake of what you could gain from it. 
Look, I'll tell you where it went. It was swallowed up in your compromise, just like the hunter and the bear. Look, the next time you're tempted to compromise in any area of your life, ask yourself these three things. Consider the purity of your faith. Consider the responsibility of your work. And consider the integrity of your witness. And if you can compromise without selling out your spiritual, biblical, moral, or ethic values, then go ahead and compromise. But if you sell out even one of those things, don't compromise. Don't compromise or again, you're going to be like the hunter in the belly of the bear. And you know what else? And this is the most important thing. You won't have the last BB. You're going to be crushed by what Wally Coyote dropped on you. God help us as his people. And I encourage you, wherever God has placed you on the wall, don't walk away from it just to negotiate with the enemy. Don't walk away from it just to say, well, let's just talk. You stand firm on those convictions. Let's pray.